0: This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get for your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: See the jobs numbers. You see the way the economy is going right now. And it's it's masking the socialism, friends. I just I just want to say it. I want to be very clear about it. You cannot uh, you cannot forget That Joe Biden has been put in a in a very advantageous position in terms of the timing. Timing matters a lot. My dad has always been a big big proponent of saying that the timing really matters. Timing is everything is actually one of his favorite uh, sayings. And Biden comes in. He's got a vaccine and he's got a, a an economy that's ready to reopen, ready to go. Of course, he's slowing it down, making it worse, spending too much money. Regulating thing, going to raise taxes, going to mess the whole thing up. But he, unfortunately, it's going to take some time. This is this is a constant problem with Democrats, whether it's their ruination of California or any number of other policy decisions they make. It takes a while to see the bad effects clearly. I mean, we can reason and we can understand in advance what's going to happen. But with the economy, it's going to you're going to have to wait a little bit. I'm, I'm hopeful that the American people will at least wake up to what's going on in time for the midterms. Because, you know, you see these jobs numbers today, you see what's happening and you, you got to think to yourself, well, it could be worse. Right. I mean, employers added two hundred and sixty six thousand jobs in April, uh, but unemployment rose to six point one percent. So there's a, there's some difficulty in filling some of these roles we'll get into that in a moment but i'm talking about the economy because i also want to make sure that if you are trading right now if you're somebody that's trading your own stocks i've got a secret weapon for you my friends at carnivore trading they think the market's actually on the verge of some historic gains this year put aside the realities of the of the Biden administration and all that for just a second because the market can have what's called a melt-up period where there's just so much money sloshing around, so many people involved that you can see huge gains in certain sectors. That's why you want experts guiding your trades. Carnivore trading is an elite squad of strategists. I'm getting text messages and trades from them all day long. They influence major Wall Street investors, and if you sign up with them, they'll send you to your phone Text messages that have real-time trading information that they want you to engage in so you can get some big gains, too. You mirror their trades with your discount broker or pass, but why would you pass when their trades routinely crush the S&P 500? And here's their guarantee. You'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. That's right, five times the subscription fee you pay every month just by mirroring their trades. The market could be on the verge of this massive upswing any day now. Get off the sidelines. Mirror Carnivores trades today. Right now, you'll get two weeks free. That's right, two weeks free. Just visit GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's the website GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. The border czar who can't find the border. That's what you have to think of with Kamala Harris. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Now, I know she could actually find it. I know if she wanted to get there, she could. She doesn't want to go. And we should all ask the question, why? I've been pointing this out for weeks. I'm just some guy who works in the media I got down to the border, spoke to Border Patrol, saw the children crossing in large numbers, saw adults huddled together, coming across in rafts, walking across like they had just been ordered to do so by the cartels because they had been. Uh, This is not difficult. Why won't Kamala go to the border? You have two simultaneous crises in this country right now that Democrats do not want you paying attention to because it is they are both their fault and they cannot fix them based on the ideology of the Democrat Party today. They can't fix them. They would have to go against their base. They would have to actually take uh, they, they would have to make decisions that would harm them politically in order to make the right moves to stop the crises from happening. It would upset the left wing Antifa, BLM, open borders, lunatic lib squad out there. And they know that that's bad business for them. The Democrats don't want to handle it. Here is the first one. You probably already guessed the border. Kamala doesn't have any means of fixing this. The stuff they're talking about by sending some additional aid and having a, a conversation with Central American countries. This is laughable. As I've told you, it's not only Central American countries that are showing up in considerable numbers numbers at the border. It is it is a, a majority, to be sure. But there are people coming from all over the world because this is the, the biggest, best scam that you could run in the immigration system. You have to remember, because interior enforcement is essentially non-existent. All you have to do is get into the U.S. as an illegal And you're pretty much home free. You're good to go. So the whole game is just do whatever you have to do to get into the U.S. And then you don't have to worry about it. We're not even talking about all the visa overstays every year. There are hundreds of thousands of those. Now, not all of them stay forever, but a lot of them do. We're talking about people who are using the asylum process as a scam, essentially. And I think this is important because if you if you understand how this program has worked for many years, it's meant to be for somebody who if they if they were sent back to the Soviet Union, they'd be tortured and put in the gulag and maybe their whole family with them. So it's please, please, America, you are the beacon of hope and light and liberty. Take me in. I beg of you. That's what asylum really is all about. You know, it's somebody who jumps from the ship that they're not even supposed to leave when they're in sight of of you know U.S. shores, and they want us to because of the mercy and the and the goodness of the American people, bring they want us to bring them into the American family. And look, it can be a beautiful thing, and there's a reason we have it, have an asylum program. But what you have at the southern border right now are people who are either sending their children through. Right. Which is a very different thing. They're putting their children at risk. And I'm sorry, I know I'm not a parent, but I know enough about parenting to say that sending your eight year old into the hands of cartel smugglers or your 10 year old or your 15 year old is a terrible idea. People are doing it. They're doing it because it's working to get them into the country, at least. And the I've asked I asked Border Patrol, I said, why is it that? They're they're sending their kids can't isn't there a better safe way to get their kids in the country? They say, well, this way they figure they can either either the illegals are already their illegal parent. Usually it's one is already in the U.S. And so they're they're joining them or the illegal parent or parents will join after the child is placed with other family members in this country. So it's just gaming the immigration system in steps. And right now it's just really easy to do that with kids. All you have to do is get the get the unaccompanied minor to the border, the United States, because we are a good country of good people. We take the child in. And, and I want to be very clear, having seen these little kids coming across the border. Some of them are very young. Some of them are babies and they're being carried by their 12 you know, year old sister. Uh, they're the look in their eyes. They're exhausted. They're scared. You know, yeah, we we take care of children. That's true. And and that's not going to change. And that shouldn't change. But the adults that are doing this, they're breaking the law and they're gaming our system. And this is a mess. And until we change this process, until we set it up in a way where that's not the case, it won't stop. And there are also family units. Mind you, it's not all, all unaccompanied minors. There are family units who are showing up. So that's parents with a child. Usually it's it's uh, one parent. And they know because the word's gotten out and I, I won't say what the age is. There's an age at which if the ch- if you have a child with you below a certain age, you're 100 percent guaranteed as the parent with the child to be released into the interior of the United States. One hundred percent. You're good to go. I mean, maybe if you're on like a terror watch list, they might have a problem. But other than that, how is trying to help conditions in Central America going to change any of this? It absolutely won't. I had said to you before that one point. Well, I said over a million illegals are likely to be in the country this year. And actually, it's now being said that it could be up to one point five million, perhaps even more. We may hit when you add all visa overstays, when you add our porous open border, uh, when you add all this together, we may get close to two million people who are illegally in the United States just from this year, might get to 1.6, maybe 1.8 million. I mean, who knows? It was 175 thousand last month. You know, you, you all can do the math on that too, right? You're getting close to 200 thousand illegals coming across the border. Plus, you have, as I've said, hundreds of thousands of visa overstays every year. So, you're, if you add that number in, it's actually about a half a million visa overstays on an average year. So, yeah, you're you're looking at the biggest year of illegal immigration in our history. And while Democrats and the journo's and the media, they think that this is great. This is a humanitarian thing. Uh, we're a nation of immigrants. You know, they've been taught all. They've been brainwashed with all this stuff. Although I think a lot of them really do do believe it. Uh, it's not just repetition for its own sake. Uh, the American people, at some level, understand. Well, hold on a second. You're going to be raising taxes. You got all these rules and regulations that you hold Americans to. And if they break laws, they're held responsible unless they're Democrats. But that's another conversation. And they have to be important, you know, politically connected Democrats or on an issue that is important to the Democrat Party. We do know there's a two tier justice system in this country. That's just the way it is. Actually saw Preet Bharara on the. uh, I was I was out last night after a speech, saw Preet Bharara on the street, he was sitting at a sidewalk cafe. I, didn't, I don't know the guy, I didn't say anything to him, but there's part of me that wanted to say, when did you become a left-wing nutso? Like, when did you totally lose it? The fact that he was the U.S. attorney is stunning, stunning to me. Uh, for, for the Southern District of New York, which is really the most prestigious prosecutorial post in the country uh, outside of being the, you know, attorney general itself. So they can't fix the border issue. They don't want to fix the border issue, which is why Kamala won't go down there. Then you have the other one. The other big challenge, the other big crisis. I know they hate that word because they understand optics and propaganda and perception management. And the word crisis for a political administration does have a certain resonance. The other one is the murder rate. I know I know on Tucker's show last night, he did a whole deep dive into New York City's Murder rate. And he had my friend Joe Borelli on who I'm I hope Joe Borelli, the councilman from city councilman from Staten Island, ends up being the mayor of New York one day. I think he'd be he'd be great at it. He's a very both a very smart and very good guy. And and Joe Joe was on the show. They're talking about New York City crime. And we use New York um, as the canary in the coal mine. I mean, we, we look at what's going on here in this, the biggest city in the country because the numbers are very, very large, and, and so you can really see the trends. But my friends, it is happening all over the country. You've had big spikes in homicide and, and rape and terrible crimes in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, St. Louis, Dallas, Austin, you know, Portland, Denver, every major city in the country has had a real surge in violence. And this is after decades of almost unbroken decline nationwide. How are Democrats going to fix this? The only way to fix the the problem we have with the spike in crime, and it's not just a spike. I mean, it's a it's a it's a tsunami. The only way to fix this is to do the exact opposite of what the Democrats have set themselves up for when it comes to law enforcement issues, which is back the blue. You got to support your cops. You got to say thank you, law enforcement officers. Thank you, men and women who wear that uniform, who not only help keep us safe and also catch the bad guys when they do things so they're punished and they're not still on the street, a risk to other people, but also for stepping in and being really on the spot social workers and first responders and a whole bunch of other jobs that are necessary in our society i mean you know for, for every time there's a cop that has to you know pull his taser or maybe even pull his weapon in a lethal force incident there are thousands and thousands hundreds of thousands of times where a cop is saying you know, you don't really hate your brother. Hey, 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 you over there. Put the baseball bat down. You guys are a family. You're getting home. All the time. All the time. But, you know, you don't read about that in the newspapers. But ask anybody. Ask anyone in law enforcement. You know, I'm sure a lot of you have families. I have, you know, my uncle's uh, uh, now retired, but uh, L A. was LAPD. He was actually uh, Savannah PD before that, too. The guy loves being a cop. And. You know, you you look at this and you say, Democrats have set this whole thing up for failure. The one thing that they could do to stop the border from being in crisis is to stop letting people get what they want by gaming our system. They won't do that. Consequences for illegal entry. They won't do that. The one thing that they could do with a Biden administration could do to stop the enormous increase nationwide in violent crime and crime really of all kinds is more police support police understand the role of law enforcement and let them do their jobs and let them know that this society has their back because you know the average American absolutely does but the elites and the media and the Democrats they've concocted this cockamamie world where Cops are the bad guys. Cops are the cause of the problems. You will not see anything about this in the Democrat media because these not only are they important issues, they're massive political liabilities for Democrats. And they don't have a way to massage this message. They don't have a way to convince people these aren't problems. So what are they going to do? Ignore it. They're going to ignore it. Until they either think the American people have become numb to what's going on at the border and with the crime rise. Or they're going to find some way to distract us again with one trial, one incident. But whatever it is, whatever happens, whatever goes on, just remember this administration on critical issues of law and order, national security and just just keeping the peace fails Not just because of ineptitude, but because they support ideas that cannot work in this country, that will not work. They support policies that fail and make this a more dangerous, lawless place. That's where the actual Democrat Party is today. And as soon as more Americans understand this and see this, not all of them will. Some of them are lunatic leftists. I know 30 percent of the country you know, thinks that MSNBC is the God's honest truth. But as soon as more Americans, you know, we have enough that we can take political power from these lunatics. That's where we're heading.
2: We asked the legislature to do a lot and they delivered for the people of Florida. I think we have a a number of good things to talk about. And um, we're here to talk about one of those good things. Obviously, We were very concerned with public safety during this session. We passed uh, the strongest anti-rioting legislation in the country that really says a couple things. One is we're not going to let local governments defund law enforcement. Now, granted, in southwest Florida, that's probably not as much of a concern, uh, but that's something that could happen in some of these other enclaves in the state of Florida. Uh, By passing this bill and me signing it, that is not going to happen. If a local jurisdiction tries to do that, we're restoring the funding.
1: I mean, I'm trying to be very fair-minded here about about uh, Governor Ron DeSantis because I don't want to sound like I got a man crush on the guy, but he does have a nice tan. It looks like he's been working out. I, I think he's just doing a great job. I think he's doing a great job, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him to christy me. I'm waiting for him to do something really disappointing that has no justification and that shows, oh, this is not actually the leader that I thought she or he is. I, folks, DeSantis is getting it done. And I and I know I, I'm reading all of your uh, all your emails. You say to me, Buck, I still think it should be Trump, but I agree. DeSantis might be a great running mate. We can continue. This is like being members of the, the team. We are in the same family here. And you may think one pitcher should be starting and I might think another pitcher. We're we're rooting for the same team. Uh, I just if DeSantis keeps this up, it's DeSantis plus MAGA with Trump's blessing and, and support. And and that's that's how I think we take back the White House in 2024 right now. That's where I am. And I know that that sounds so far out there, but he just gets it. He's sitting here saying defund law enforcement. We're going to actually put more cops out there and we're going to prevent localities from this defund the police lunacy. Where are other Republican governors on this? And I know there are some out there. I mean, there's, you know, there's governor of Oklahoma, governor of Mississippi, governor of Texas. There's a lot of plenty of red state governors who I think have it in them to take bold action here. But. He's just every time we see an issue and I say, where is the Republican response to this? You know, where are the people who are making the case about how what the Democrats are doing is dumb and dangerous and reckless and how this Biden administration, Joe Biden isn't incompetent and the whole thing is so absurd that he's the president. I'm sorry, I still just look at this like you've got to be kidding me. I look for Republicans who are making that clear and who are making the case. And I just see another press release. Ron DeSantis taking action against social media, uh, censorship of conservatives. Ron DeSantis taking action on uh, law enforcement. Ron DeSantis taking action on voting laws. I mean, you're sitting here saying, yeah, it is possible. States can fight back against this. You know, I, I hate to use the term hashtag resistance, but florida right now seems to be the leadership of the hashtag resistance
2: now i have what we think is the the strongest election integrity measures in the country i'm actually going to sign it right here it's going to take effect so there you go bill is signed and here's, here's what it does We're making sure we're enforcing voter ID. Look, you have to show uh, a picture ID to do all these other things in society, clearly voting. We're also banning ballot harvesting. We're not going to let political operatives go and get satchels of votes and dump them in some drop box. We're also prohibiting mass mailing of ballot. We've had absentee voting in Florida for a long time. You request a ballot, you get it, and then you can mail it in. But to just indiscriminately send them out is uh, is not a recipe for success. We're increasing transparency even better. florida we track the votes coming in in real time not the results but we know who's voting what your registration is and we follow the turnout so that when the election's over we know the universe of votes that have been cast and it makes it so that someone can't dump a hundred thousand votes two or three days later then finally we're prohibiting private money from basically running the elections like these Zuckerbucks that they were doing in all these different parts of the country
1: everything that he's saying here is smart is right is essential for voting integrity at the state level. every aspect of it. I know I have friends you know me I'm I'm cynical about politicians I d- I don't like to be surprised when they disappoint me. I'm ready for it And so I know one day I'm gonna come on here and say all right DeSantis he's uh, you know he's let me down a little bit on this one but it hasn't happened yet just calling balls and strikes here. And so far they're all, he's throwing heaters down the middle. You like producer Mark. I could, you think I could do a uh, baseball play by play?
2: No, not even a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, I, but I got the, it's a heater, right? That's when you throw a fast pitch.
3: Yes. That's a fastball.
1: There we go. That's all we need. He's throwing heaters down the middle. Well, buck, that was actually a ball, whatever. Still something like that. Anyway, the point is DeSantis is doing a really good job and, uh, this this election, you know how you know this, uh, this voter integrity law is good? The libs absolutely hate it. That's really all you have to know here. They despise this law. They're freaking out about it, just like they did the Georgia law. Why is it so very, very hard for them to imagine that people want there to be um, Actual real voter integrity protections that it's important that we have people not feeling like we're going to have ballots that cancel out other ballots from people, right? Who aren't supposed to be voting or who are cheating. This is essential. They keep talking about defending our sacred democracy. We're always saying, Oh, we're going to defend our sacred democracy. If people don't believe that the elections are fair, That's a huge problem in and of itself. But having safeguards in place makes people actually have have the belief that what they're doing is engaging in a free and fair process. You know, you you could have no, honestly, we could have just just think about this as, as an experiment. We could have an honor system based election entirely. Just have just have drop boxes set up. And then we just ever, you know, anybody, no one's going to cheat. No one cheats, right? So we, have, we just have drop boxes. No one has to register. And you just take a ballot, which you can print off of a website online, and you check or, you, you know, you write in the name or you check the box for the person you want. You drop it in the box. And then there's one day where we have, you know, some bureaucrats who count all the, all the things put in drop boxes. Does that sound like that's a good idea? Does that sound like that would end up uh, the way we want it to? Would when you sit, sit there and think to yourself, hmm, people are cheating. If there was no chance of being caught committing fraud in election, do you believe people would cheat in elections? Of course, you're 100 percent sure people. So am I. Of course, people would cheat in elections. So safeguards are clearly not Jim Crow 2.0, as Joe Biden said, because he's such a moron. Uh, safeguards are are not discriminatory. They're the, they're the basic you know rules of the road we need for this to not feel like a farce. It's funny you can even read the way that uh, you know when when Hillary wanted a recount in twenty sixteen of some votes or some states or it was being talked about. Democrats were oh of course recounts are essential. There should be a Hillary recount. And when. Trump want when, when the Trump team is trying to do a recount in Arizona, the recount itself is is terrible and a threat to our democracy and all this other stuff. The things that Ron DeSantis is putting in place in Florida should be standard operating procedure in every single state in the country. Now it's not going to happen in some states because now it's the, the messaging is out there that oh no this is terrible you're not supposed to do this. Uh, but every place where there is a Republican governor, Republican legislature, you should have these. I, and I think these are just on their on their face. I think these are politically neutral, completely fair, reasonable and responsible safeguards to have in an election. I really believe that. I think there's nothing about this. That's
0: that's an issue.
1: Here, here's uh, Mark Caputo talking about Florida's election law. Play five.
0: Uh, I, I guess I'm going to say something that, that that's going to get me in trouble in that. It's not as bad as the critics say it is. Uh, yet it was premised mm-hmm. on a lie. That is, there was not widespread Systemic voter fraud, either in Florida or nationwide, that or in swing states, that cost Donald Trump the election. And this was a reaction to that. And as you pointed out, Ron DeSantis had talked about, "Hey, you know, we did it right in Florida. Uh, th- we're a model." The problem is, is the former president got the base so stirred up that these politicians had to react. So they made some uh, changes around the edges. Uh, they they made. The request for absentee ballots used to be on a, on a standing list. You could get them for two general elections in a row. Now you can just get them for one general election in the midterm. Uh, there are more restrictions on, you know, what some people call ballot harvesting, which is uh, when other people can drop off your ballot. Now I'm in Miami-Dade County. Incidentally, we're the biggest county in the state. We already have some of those restrictions in place anyway. Uh, and in the end, what you have here was a solution in search of a problem.
1: No, 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 but that's a leftist reporter for Politico, which is you know you may know, you should know, is a liberal journal, you know, a liberal blog in uh, D.C. and and he's like, it's not as bad as people are saying. Is that's liberal speak? I mean, I wanted you to hear that. I know that that's it's it's annoying to hear one of these these Democrat reporters that's oh the big lie or something. No. This is this is completely it's absolutely valid to look at the concerns that people had in the last election and make sure they're addressed in the in future elections by having reasonable constitutional good faith laws put in place. They, they can try to do this as much as they want. They can try to undermine this by creating some other narrative. But I would say this reminds me of how there were some times when Trump did something as president that uh, that they would say. Was legitimate for a president to do, but illegitimate for Trump to do because he's a white nationalist or because he's a, you know, a Russian spy or whatever it was. It's like, no, guys, just because you hate somebody doesn't mean everything that they do is illegal or unconstitutional or whatever. And just because they are terrified of Ron DeSantis does not mean that there's anything about the base and the big lie and all this other stuff that he's that he's talking about no these are completely reasonable restrictions we saw democrats are upset because we're figuring out what the game is here they want to make election laws as as loose and vague and open to being schemed as possible some states are saying no sorry not not on our watch and the democrats hate it Every election integrity measure they've got a problem with. Well, I'm sorry ballot harvesting. You think that that's a good idea? Really? Yeah, I know some places allow it. It's crazy that they do. You have political operatives who are walking around saying, you know, they go to seniors. They go to nursing homes, senior citizen care facilities. They say, hey, you fill out your ballot yet here. I'll help you. No, no, I'll, you don't even have to. I'll, I'll, I'll fill it out for you. The chance of somebody being discovered for doing that over and over and over again is zero, which is why Democrats like it. Because we all act under this assumption. We all know that if one side's going to cheat in an election, it's going to be the Democrats. If one side is cheating, we know it's going to be Democrats. They know it and we know it because they're just so very, deeply emotionally invested in their politics. They can justify anything. What do you say? Is, is this targeting minority voters?
3: Uh, no, I disagree with that. What it does is actually makes our process cleaner. One of the big things that happens in this is it gets rid of the of dollars going to these outside groups to basically create infrastructure around voting apparatuses. We already have infrastructure around voting apparatuses. That's what our polling locations are. That's what our supervisors of elections do. The other thing it does, it ends up ballot harvesting, something that, frankly, shouldn't be happening anywhere in the United States, let alone the great state of Florida. And it further improves on our voter ID practices in our state where we've been a leader. Last thing is you got to understand, in our state, minorities have not had any anybody who stopped them from voting or, or ways to, to decrease their ability to vote. Actually, the opposite has occurred. Uh, the share of the black vote in the state of Florida has been amongst the highest across the United States. So I don't listen to what common cause and some of these outside groups say We've been the leader when it comes to election practices in this country, and we're going to continue to do so.
1: He's right. Everything he's saying here about the Florida election law is true. I just want to just want to note that it does make the process cleaner. It does make it more secure. There's nothing about this that should be viewed as as problematic or troubling to anybody who really believes in and really wants an election that has the absolute bare minimum of fraud. That's where we are. That's what this is really all about. And I just think that uh, this is a much more important battle than, than a lot of folks probably realize that there's there's a reason that Democrats are pushing H.R. one so much. There's a reason that they want to have these uh, very open ended and very vague and just open doors for fraud. Right. We, we all understand this. We all see what's going on here. And H.R. one, they wanted to take all the tricks that they pulled in the last election and use them in the midterms and the election after that. So this stuff, I know it can get a little in the weeds and, you know, it's it sounds like political uh, insidery stuff. Sometimes, you know, ballot harvesting and live ballots in the mail and all this stuff. But. It's important. It really is. And that's why states like Florida that are doing the right thing got to call it, got to call it out, got to give them support. Congresswoman Cori Bush said something that uh, yesterday that that did get some attention. And I I wanted to just note it. Uh, Yeah, this is Representative Cori Bush. I just want you to listen to this and see if you hear something that strikes you as just as a, as a word or a phrase, that's a bit odd. Play one.
3: This is what desperation looks like, that chair flying down a hallway. This is what being your own advocate looks like. Everyday black women are subjected to harsh and, harsh and racist treatment during pregnancy and childbirth. Everyday black women die because the system denies our humanity. It denies us patient care. I sit before you today, as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman. And I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to pro- protect black birthing people, and to save lives.
1: Um, you probably got that. When she said black birthing people, I, I just, I know, is that what does that mean what does that mean i'm I'm curious if that was just a if, if she misspoke or what i've never heard that uh that term before and it makes it seem like she used the word mother before several times so i played that and also i just want to note so now now the story is that there's there's Doctors and nurses are systemically racist against black women who are having who are having their babies. This is what this is the story. Very when you think about this, this is very damaging allegation. And and I'm just wondering for all the doctors and nurses out there how, how they would feel about this notion because I do not believe it. I do not believe it not for one second. I do not believe that people who's whose whole whose whole careers, whose reason for being for getting up every day, whether it's a nurse, a doctor, anybody who's involved at actual in the actual process of of uh, critical health care for people uh, that they have this. They're making racist distinctions about uh, pregnant mothers. I'm sorry. I, I know they're going to talk about, oh, there's there's different outcomes and all this other stuff. But. Uh, I, I don't believe that it's happening because people involved in healthcare are racist and they're going to have to show me a lot of proof to change my mind on that. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answers are. I don't know why this is happening. I just do know uh, you know, when, the, when they point to some of this data, I think that this is an area where you can be sure the activists and the Democrat leadership are not being honest because. Any narrative of racial victimology is powerful for the Democrat Party. Um, and we know that. I mean, it's it's useful for them as a narrative. Uh, so, yeah, birthing people here on Fox News, Representative Cory Bush Scorch for referring to women as birthing people. She's reduced mothers to a function. One user called the term possibly the most degrading, humiliating, misogynistic phrase ever invented. So, yeah, pe- people are are noticing this. And and I'm sorry, the the left doesn't get to change all this stuff about gender, doesn't get to uh, change our language and our, our sense of gender roles, doesn't get to do all of this and then turn around and say, oh, what are you getting so upset about? Why is why is this a problem for you? What do you mean? So so what if we say that, you know, you you have to uh, you have to negate gender differences? Or so what if we want you to say birthing people instead of mothers? And You have this. Uh, uh, just to give you a, another addition to the gender stuff that's going on right now. A, uh, you'll have a transgender female uh, named Laurel Hubbard, who will be competing in the Olympics in, uh, in Tokyo for uh, powerlifting. And if you look at Laurel Hubbard, Laurel Hubbard is biologically a large male. OK, former comp- uh, formerly a competitor as a male in powerlifting. Does anyone want to place any bets as to whether Laurel Hubbard will win the gold medal competing against women as a biological male in powerlifting in Tokyo? OK. chance, 100% chance. This is embarrassing. It's wrong. It's wrong. But Democrats want you to just cave on this because if something as straightforward as a biological male who is, who was a competitive power lifter is going to have a, a advantage over biological females. If you can, if they can get you to negate that they can get you to say anything and that's the point we've got lila rose joining us now she is the president and founder of live action she has a new book out fighting for life becoming a force for change in a wounded world lila really appreciate your work thank you for joining us
4: thanks for having me on
1: just for, for everyone listening in case they don't know what do you do at live action
4: sure so i uh live action is the leading The global leader for the pro-life movement in education. So we reach 15 plus million people weekly with facts about human dignity, abortion. We promote motherhood and fatherhood, connecting and activating communities to other pro-life resources. And our goal is to abolish abortion and build a culture of life first here in the United States and ultimately internationally.
1: And what is what is the current status of what you're seeing right now in in the abortion movement across the country with this new administration and just what are some of the fights that, that uh, policy fights that we're engaged in right now?
4: So the fight for life is at a fever pitch. And that's one of the reasons I just wrote my first book called fighting for life, because we've seen right now, politically, we're seeing the most extreme pro-abortion politics that we've actually ever had. I mean, under, even under Obama, President, Vice President then Biden supported taxpayer, uh, rejecting taxpayer funds for abortion. So he actually wanted to protect what's called the Hyde Amendment. Now Joe Biden has gone far left. He wants to force taxpayers to fund abortions. He has put in powerful positions in his administration, some extraordinarily pro-abortion and unqualified people um, like Xavier Becerra, the head of um, HHS Health and Human Services. This is a guy with no medical experience. He was an activistic lawyer from California who actually prosecuted and tried to throw in jail pro-life activists, some of my own friends. So it's really radical and extreme, but here's the good news. Despite despite the fact that the Democratic Party has gone so far left on abortion I mean just out of touch with the safe legal and rare mantra of their past but you know Hillary Clinton would say that about abortion there's unprecedented stuff happening in the movement for life I mean there's been unprecedented pro-life legislation in the last two years at the at the state level so over 600 pro-life bills in just two years dozens of them have been passed into law made into law and more Americans than ever are pro-life the abortion rate has been declining over the last 10 years. So even though the politics at the federal level are so extreme, there's incredible work happening where people are just passionate and standing up because they realize this is a life or death battle. And we need to protect our most vulnerable members of society, which are our preborn children.
1: We're speaking to Lila Rose, founder of Live Action, and her book coming out uh, is Fight, Fighting for Life becoming a force for change in a wounded world. Now, Lila, you mentioned uh, Becerra going after some of your friends. I, is that the David DeLayden Center for Medical Progress issue? Can you tell? Can you remind everybody about that?
4: of course so live action's done investigative reporting of abortion clinics for now over 10 years i started doing that when i was a student at ucla um david Delighton was a friend and um, co-worker of mine so he worked with us at live action on some of these investigations he went on to start center for medical progress and he and sandra Merritt and others exposed planned Parenthood selling baby body parts i mean actually harvesting the parts. sometimes of babies that were born alive with beating hearts because Planned Parenthood does abortion through six months so some of their babies are born alive and then they butcher them and so they're selling these body parts David and Sandra are exposing it there this is happening in California and at the time the attorney general was Kamala Harris now our VP and she sends state agents to raid with 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 guns to raid David's apartments, to take his computers with the with the footage of Planned Parenthood's misdeeds and then when she's replaced by Xavier Becerra because she goes off to be a senator and, and by the way well while, while she's doing this Planned Parenthood is giving her campaign contributions I mean, she is in the pocket of the abortion industry and she's using state power to go after pro-life activists in the state. And then Xavier Becerra takes over and he actually criminally prosecutes, is prosecuting still the state of California, David and Sandra. So it's it's an insane situation here in California. But the crooks, the political crooks who are responsible, are now running the federal government. And and this is the this is the Democratic Party today. This is the extremism. But of course, you know, most people don't know this. I mean, what I'm just sharing about what's happened with Kamala and and Xavier Becerra and the Biden administration, most this is not being reported by most media. Most media thinks Joe Biden's a Catholic grandpa. I mean,
1: (laughs) it's amazing. (laughs) I did see Lila recently. It was a headline. It was in either the Post or the Washington Post, the New York Times, I can't remember, but it was something along the lines of, you know, a challenge for a highly devout Catholic Joe Biden being an abortion proponent. You know, you're just like, Wait, how is he highly, in what way is he highly devout? I always ask this question.
4: Yes, I mean, it's, it's crazy. The headline, you know, the very Catholic Joe Biden and the far right bishops are upset with him over abortion. To be Catholic is to be pro-life. Um, Jesus came and gave his life for us abortion is the antithesis of that you take life an innocent child's life it's completely the opposite of christianity and catholicism and the church has stood against it for decades or for centuries i should say but listen like you know this is this is it though this is the fight i mean that's why you know when i wrote fighting for life and it's it's a guidebook for all of us because this battle is political yes on abortion but there's a lot of battles culturally happening you know what about whether it's transgender and children whether it's Um, The hookup culture and and kids being just sexually objectified in pornography, whether it's abortion, whether it's marriage and um, just all the confusion our young people face. And so I wrote it because we all have a role to play in sharing the truth lovingly and building strong communities and fighting the political battles. And I think that my goal is, you know, it can be scary. <laughs> you can be unsure how to get started. You get you get pushback. But, you know, there's more of us than we realize. We're speaking there's more to, people than we realize.
1: We're speaking to Lila Rose. She's the founder of Live Action. She has a book out, Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World. Lila, uh, how are you able to and what what are the, the ways you're able to do uh, outreach on this issue specifically to, College aged and and 20 something year old women, because as somebody who grew up here in New York City, I can tell you that even the women that I knew at that age when I was, you know, in college and and afterwards who were pro-life personally, you know, who actually believed in being pro-life, they would whisper it as though they were telling me they were a secret member of a cult for fear of their they're not just their general peer group, their friends, their female friends finding out about it. I mean, that's the kind of culture that's around the issue of being pro-life in some of the blue, blue enclaves, uh, specifically for young women. How do you do outreach? How do you, how do you get around that? How, how can you bring together people who, you know, cause I think those are the the women who are a lot of times the most vulnerable to making a decision that they will regret for the rest of their lives on this.
4: Hmm. Well, we have to acknowledge, like you're saying and your experience, you know, growing up in New York, um, the the situation in our school systems you know most of our media our entertainment media they're very regressive i mean it's very pro abortion uh, this has been going on for decades post the sexual revolution so the mid 20th century this whole idea of sexual libertinism you know you can do what you want we shouldn't translate to children and you know a, sex is just about pleasure and consent and if you get pregnant with a baby that's not your fault and that baby you should be have the right to kill that child and abort you know end that pregnancy and so that's the kind of cultural mentality right now but but by the institutions you know public school systems a lot in politics entertainment media big tech a lot of people they know deep down abortion's bad it's tragic i mean even andrew yang he's running for governor of new york city and he recently said that abortion was tragic and we should protect children i mean he still says he's pro pro choice but he was lambasted by uh, abortion advocates for that and he kind of changed his tune because he realized he's not even allowed to say that so what do you do i mean a couple things and i talk about this a lot in fighting for life my new book number one realize you're not alone you might feel alone when you're standing up for life and conservative values but you actually aren't a lot more people agree with you than you realize but they're afraid to say it so if you have the courage to say it you will encourage others. You will give other people that courage. Uh, Another thing I would say is let yourself be heartbroken for the people that are being hurt because of these bad policies, these bad morals, this bad culture, and let your conviction and your passion drive you. Because we get courage when we look outside of ourselves and try to help others. And so if we're focused on, listen, you know, the truth that I know about life, if I can help save the life of one child, if I can help one mother choose life instead of the devastating decision of abortion think about how beautiful and good that is so i think if we change our mindset and then if we get you know a teammates in the fight we realize there are people who are with us and we connect with them i think it becomes a lot less scary to stand up for what's right
1: speaking to lila rose her book is fighting for life becoming a force for change in a wounded world and, and lila just for everyone listening uh you know male or female but for everyone listening who just wants that opportunity wants, wants that ability i mean i remember uh, my my advisor at, at Amherst was one of the only pro-life, openly pro-life professors on campus, a man named Professor Hadley Arkeys. And he told us openly the story about uh, how he convinced a student at Smith College to have her baby instead of abort the baby and, and and just went through this whole, and people were tearing up when he was telling us about this and it was really moving and, and I always remembered that. And I thought of all the stuff this guy's done, of all the, the teaching of, of Socrates and Plato and the American founding, I bet... Whenever his day finally comes, he'll be proud. And, and at the top of the list would be because, you know, now he knows that young man that, that, that it was a boy and he grew up and the, the woman had this baby that then he got to know, you know, in life. Uh, how can people have their moment to do that? In what ways can people actually help you in this fight and in this mission?
4: Well, first of all, in your daily life, just by being pro-life and being willing to talk about it and being willing to reach out and, and engage the people around you, you may find yourself in a position to save a life that you would have never imagined. So, I would first just say that that's the power of being true to who what you believe and being willing to talk about it. Um, but you know the fight for life. I think there's no more important fight because literally lives are on the line and there's so many ways to get involved. I talk a lot about it in in my book, Fighting for Life, but there's also with live action, so many ways to get connected, educating ourselves, joining our ambassadors program. It's an online program. You get free trading, you get free action items in your community. I guarantee you there's going to be a pregnancy center, a pro-life resource center that you can volunteer at, you can donate to, you can get involved with. If you're a person of faith or you are just a person who generally wants to witness for life, even going to an abortion clinic and praying peaceably on the sidewalk. Um, You know, there's an organization called 40 Days for Life. You can do that with them. And people literally drive by and don't get their abortion because they see people prayerfully praying for life on the sidewalk. So there's so many things you can do if you're a student. You can start a pro life chapter at your campus. We have more information on that at liveaction.org. So just get in it. You know, get in the fight. There's there's little things you can do each day. Um, And it takes all of us. You know, it really takes all of us. The abortion rate is 2,300 kids killed a day. 2,300 boys and girls, if we each stand up and do our part, little thing each day, we can change that. We can continue to get the abortion rate to decline, and we can change the face of our country.
1: Lila Rose, founder of Live Action. Check out her book, Fighting for Life, Becoming a Force for Change in a Wounded World. Lila, thank you. Thanks for everything you do.
4: Thanks for having me.